It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Happy weekend. Uh, Good morning, Fred. Great weekend. First up in the latest Smart Driving Car newsletter is a piece from Catherine Freund, founder and president of ITN America, a nonprofit aimed at senior mobility with 13 affiliates in 12 states, helping to provide community-based transportation for seniors and people with visual impairments. Had a great conversation with her at the uh, at the Smart Driving Car Conference, the summit uh, this spring. 40% of the rides are provided by volunteer drivers, and with the needs growing, she's written a paper titled Autonomous Vehicles, a view from seniors. Yes, and she it's a very short paper, but it's uh, chock full of really the fundamental facts and the fundamental issue with respect to uh, providing mobility uh, for seniors and, and their mobility needs. Uh, she has a listing of where people actually go. And it's most interesting and most fundamental and, and something that, that the, the transportation planning community seems to, to not pay much attention to. They're really, you know, focused on getting people to work or something uh, as opposed to really the providing some, mo- which is important, but, uh, but, the, but for some other folks, which are not uh, too small in their numbers, especially seniors, there are some fundamental things like, uh, of course, uh, getting to the various uh, doctor's appointments uh, uh, to help them maintain their their vitalities. Uh, but things like going to the hairdresser and so on. And it's just very, very interesting and fundamental. And I hope people will take a look at, at what she has to say because she's in the business of trying to provide mobility uh, to these folks and and um, and realizing that yes um, uh, there are folks out there that are happy to drive them and there's even uber and lyft there ready to move some of them but what but that really doesn't meet all their needs and those needs are growing and there is really a a, 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 a desire to have a tremendous additional uh, mobility opportunities available to that senior community to really enhance the quality of life uh, for that segment of the population. And since uh, maybe Fred, you and I might be approaching that um, that segment of the population in terms of our 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 ages, um, maybe we're very interested in the, in having this mobility uh, being available uh, to that community. Yeah, I'm really concerned about 20 years from now. <laughs> yeah, and being about uh, since I'm 39, uh, you know, a few more than that. But, um, you know, eventually 39 gets to 39. Well, given the number of people with walkers and other needs, she points out uh, many riders are going to need human assistance getting around, carrying packages and and and, and more even if vehicles, uh, there is autonomous transportation available driverless. Right, and and one does need that, but but at the places from which these people come from and go to, there are usually people around that can help. 
whether or not one needs those people uh, along uh, for, the, for the ride as they're traveling from A to B, uh, that may not be, be so. So therefore, um, the, the mobility offering the, the human part of it is getting in and getting out of the vehicle, not traveling along with the vehicle. What would be nice is that there would be ride sharing so that these seniors can meet and talk and, and exchange uh, views and so on during the ride. But when they get uh, to their destinations, there are people at those locations uh, to uh, provide them the whatever services they happen to be going there uh, to uh, to be to uh, take advantage of, and those folks can help people get in, get out, and so on. So yes, um, there it is an advantage of a Lyft driver being there to help people in and out of the vehicle. But does the Lyft driver really need to be there to drive the vehicle? Um, if you can afford it, great. Um, if you can't, and if that's a little bit too much, then it might be nice to have a computer do it. So that's really uh, the opportunity uh, that would be uh, made available with driverless vehicles. You also highlight a New York Times article this week headlined, Older People Need Rides, Why Aren't They Using Uber and Lyft? Apparently, uh, some are intimidated by apps or have worries sometimes about uh, safety and privacy. Yes, and I think those are additional little pieces. But I think what the article also, I, I'm not sure that the title does does the does justice for the article because in large part the article also points out the amount of rides that Uber and Lyft are providing seniors and, and that Uber and Lyft drivers for the most part are are, are happy to, to help uh, seniors in and out of vehicles and with their walkers and uh, this may be um, a little bit of a of a of a um, implication uh, or a a a, a speaking down to seniors uh, and suggesting that they're not able to uh, to handle uh, the new technologies of of uh, of uh, iPhones and 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 uh, smartphones to be able to to summon uh, and and to hail uh, Uber and Lyft um, I think that uh, that uh, that may be a temporary uh, problem with seniors, uh, given uh, that, uh, in fact, um, uh, uh, my experience with seniors is that they're very uh, facile with with these devices, and um, and that in fact uh, the apps have been made uh, very very simple and and easy to use and intuitive and intuitive even to seniors, uh, not to speak down the seniors, uh, but uh, I think that um, that in fact um, the the ride hailing opportunities. Of, of Uber and Lyft um, are, are really uh, uh, used and taken advantage of uh, by seniors. Uh, yes, there is a little bit of an issue uh, with respect to privacy. Yes, there is certainly the issue with respect to safety and, and security. Uh, but again, um, um, one of the good things about the, about the ride hailing business is that there um, there, there is a rating system that is provided uh, 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 that is part of the whole process. So seniors can rate drivers and drivers can rate seniors. And in fact, um, uh, Uber and Lyft use this information to 
basically um, match riders with pa- with passengers that are compatible and and certainly a driverless uh, autonomous taxi operation would absolutely use um, the information of, of that that it's a senior in terms of of the the dispatch of the type of vehicle uh, for the uh, that that is to service a particular person and if that that particular person requesting that service uh, needed uh, personal assistance during the ride uh, would dispatch a vehicle with a driver so uh, I think these are all very solvable problems what we need to do is really uh, focus on providing uh, the opportunity uh, for this mobility for the seniors uh, to focus and 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 to develop systems that are targeted uh, towards servicing that community and the needs of that community, which are community-centered needs. Uh, the trip lengths have, uh, tend to be short. They tend to be in, um, you know, across neighborhoods um, rather than between neighborhoods, and uh, and. So therefore, the, this technology could provide them with an enormous uh, mobility um, opportunity and enhancement in their quality of life. Yeah, and uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of this, I think, because the, the numbers are growing rapidly. The needs are going to be growing rapidly. The numbers of that population are growing. And of course, now one sees it. In fact, one has technology that can actually serve uh, this this community uh, very well. And it's a matter of, of tweaking it and and looking and understanding their needs and, and uh, basically molding the, the service uh, to deliver um, uh, the mobility that enhances their quality of life. In the LA Times, our friend Russ Mitchell has a piece titled, Tesla has a huge incentive to deploy self-driving tech, but is the world ready? Alan, I suppose you would add, is Tesla and the technology really close to being ready? Well, that's true. The Tesla the technology is, is not, it's, it's not close to driverless in an operational design domain that provides real mobility. Uh, sure, it, it's it, it operates in your driveway and and can take your car out of your garage and 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 deposit it on your and on your driveway, you know, twelve feet or twenty eight feet, or maybe even uh, in in some fancy schmancy uh, parking garage, it can valet park your your car. But uh, but the technology in terms of it being ready to, to go down the streets of Princeton and, and in fact, uh, go from Princeton to Lawrenceville to Trenton to Newark, um, it's, it's not ready yet to do that. It's ready to do it in, in small segments of it. it. It can do it on parts of the New Jersey Turnpike. But, you know, uh, very few people take trips from one point on the New Jersey Turnpike to another point on the New Jersey Turnpike. In fact, nobody does that. They're all coming from someplace that uses the New Jersey Turnpike uh, as part of the trip uh, so that that it's it, the, the amount of of. Um, of, of uh, service that it provides is only for trip segments, not for trips. And so, uh, yes, for trip segments, it's great. And guess what? If it lets me text uh, during uh, those trip, trip segments and allows me to text and, and take my eyes off the road for a few seconds, 
boy, I'm going to want to buy that. So, of course, Elon Musk is benefiting enormously by this. And even the numbers that are in the article uh, that state uh, that uh, that 40% the take-up rate for for what um, is uh, for autopilot or what he's now calling full self-driving, which is not full self-driving, but it's the name that he's using. Um, uh, There's a 40% take up rate. That's just enormous percent on, on something that that costs between three and $7,000. Holy man. I mean, (laughs) this is, this is, he might be making more money off of the autopilot um, and, and the full self-driving than he, than he's doing, than he's making off of the electric motor. So, uh, yes, it's been absolutely great for Elon. And in the newsletter, you you also bring up a Tesla Model 3 crash in Moscow this month where autopilot hit the brakes but did not avoid colliding with a tow truck, and there was an explosion. Yeah, and, and what's good about that article is, that of course, it includes a video a surveillance video apparently of the crash i you know i can't tell that it's a tesla and it and it's certainly during the the surveillance window is not when it caught fire and i think the article focuses on on the vehicle catching fire one doesn't i don't know the details and there aren't enough details to understand exactly what went on with the with the fire business but but what is obvious from looking at the video is is that and and the the um, uh, interview with the driver uh, was that uh, autopilot was on, and um, and he uh, uh, the driver claim, um, uh, admits that he was not paying attention, and that the car is going in the left lane of a multi-lane uh, freeway, a la New Jersey Turnpike type of thing, in um, somewhere in in near Moscow and um, and hits a parked uh, tow truck. The tow truck is parked in the um, in, in the uh, breakdown lane or a, a small breakdown lane uh, that's to the left of the traveling lane and the vehicle is protruding into the traveling lane I'd say you know maybe one one and a half feet two feet into the into that lane. And the Tesla is approaching it in somewhat heavy traffic and looks like it's the lane centering is working quite well. Uh, But if you continue on with the lane centering and that same trajectory uh, in the center of the lane, uh, the uh, the implication is that the left side of the Tesla would crash into the protruding right side of the tow truck that is parked, um, helping um, a, a disabled motorist, which is exactly what happened, uh, except just a part of a second prior to the crash, you can see the brake lights turn on. So from the video, one, at least I conclude that indeed uh, autopilot did detect the fact that the uh, tow truck was protruding into its planned um, uh, center line travel along that lane. And uh, just before, uh, really too late uh, before the uh, uh, 
coming onto that that truck, it applies the brakes. The brakes are are ineffective at re- substantially reducing the speed of the vehicle, and therefore it crashes into the back end of the vehicle. One of these uh, uh, quarter um, uh, uh, panel uh, crashes. So the left front of the uh, uh, Tesla crashes into the right rear of the um, of the uh, tow truck. Uh, I suspect that the Tesla autopilot saw that protruding element of the tow truck many seconds before it hit it. But because that object had a speed uh, um, uh, that was determined to be zero or was stationary, in other words, the vehicle's approach speed was equal to that, that object, was equal to the uh, speed of the of the Tesla, that the uh, the, the logic in the auto, in, in Tesla's autopilot disregarded that until the very last second. It was assuming that it was a a a a a, a misrepresentation of an object that was actually to the side of the road not protruding into the, the traffic stream ahead because it was following vehicles and it was following other objects that it, that it's moved a little bit uh, over in the lane and and were were moving um, uh, at the, were moving vehicles and it was doing a vehicle following control on those vehicles as opposed to doing a, a avoid an obstacle to the left until it was too late. Uh, to me, uh, this implies that there is still a fundamental flaw in the autopilot automated emergency braking system in that it disregards all too often uh, objects that are actually in uh, stationary objects that are in the travel lane. Um, this uh, this was only protruding a little bit, but it was protruding significant enough, significantly enough that it that um, there wasn't um, um, uh, that that there would be a collision between the the Tesla and this object uh, if it continued on its lane centering um, uh, uh, trajectory, which is exactly what happened. And and I think it's because it disregarded the protruding object until way too late, and the, the crash occurred. This is fixable, um, and and uh, and uh, uh, Tesla needs to go into its its automated automated emergency braking code and fix it because um, this must not be the only time that this this happened in terms of a crash of a Tesla. Um, they're often, uh, often, um, uh, sometimes uh, vehicles are protruding travel lanes, uh, maybe not so much at, at freeway speeds on freeways, but certainly on local streets. And, um, and uh, this, uh, I'm, I'm, I suspect that within the logic of all the objects it was tracking at that time, that it uh, was uh, comfortable that it had a vehicle uh, following uh, 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 
mode uh, was in operation with respect to the vehicle ahead. Uh, it was comfortable in that. It also picked up the other objects around. It saw this one. It, it assumed that it was not um, uh, really a protruding object, that that was a false alarm, uh, not in fact a real alarm, and therefore uh, disregarded it and disregarded it and disregarded it until uh, a split second before uh, the crash, at which point it began to apply the brakes. It couldn't tell that it started to swerve, uh, and which point it was too late. So it disregarded this object way too long, and it shouldn't have. And that's where uh, uh, Tesla should look in its code as to uh, what happened with respect to that crash. There's also the issue with respect to the fire. That's a whole other issue, uh, but Tesla definitely needs to look at that. And uh, maybe it's even enough for um, NHTSA to do, uh, to do a recall on Tesla to uh, look at the implications of, of the logic that they're using uh, with respect to the um, the time sequencing of um, of of uh, information uh, in its uh, pilot code interesting well we'll see where where it leads it seems like this is the you say it's solvable but and we we've seen the automatic emergency braking issue come up so many times before and still still it's a problem in Forbes online meanwhile Brad Templeton writes about what he calls mini mobility small light vehicles somewhere between a scooter and a car that he says could help to usher in a self-driving transportation revolution as robo taxis yes and i think uh brad has um, has an interesting idea here um and he points out that the that the basic f- fundamental problem with micro mobility and even shared bikes is is in fact uh, the empty vehicle repositioning problem uh that because demand is not uh, symmetric that um, eventually these uh these vehicles get uh, these entities get distributed uh to places where they're not brought back to where people need them uh because because there's nobody there to bring them back and so therefore uh, one needs to have um, uh one needs to reposition these vehicles which ends up being the fundamental value of driverless mobility that it it can get back to where where they need to be they can they can take me from a to b uh, but then to the, then can go from b to c where you are fred to take you to d and then from d back to back to a to me for me to go and so that's the the, the empty vehicle empty uh, object repositioning uh, issue is is really the key issue and so if you have that capability then what are you going to put it on uh, would you put it on the scooter well really probably not uh do you then need to have a big vehicle like a full size uh sedan or something well maybe not why not put it on um you know a much smaller vehicle uh one that takes uh, just one or 
to people and um, and especially for for short distance trips of which most trips are short distance trips if you look at the distribution of trip lengths you know there are a lot of very short trips there are only very few long trips uh, of course, those long trips put on our uh, uh, long per, uh, person miles traveled uh, associated with them. Uh, but there are numbers of trips that are really relatively short distance. Uh, the last mile trips, uh, the trips to go get a haircut, the trips to go to the library, the, even the trips to school for most of the school children are, are quite short trips. Uh, you know, certainly uh, less than 10 miles, less than five miles. Uh, less than three miles, less than one mile. And so for though these large number of trips, um, one may not need a big full-size vehicle. Um, and therefore, putting them into uh, smaller vehicles for which you could have many of them that would be uh, much less expensive and uh, take up much less real estate of the of the public road system and as brad points out you might even create some specific um, infrastructure for them uh, that lets them scurry more easily um, around a community then in fact it's a it's a reasonable discussion to have with respect to this size vehicle uh, i think uh, our readers and our uh, and, and our listeners will find that article by uh, Brad uh, quite interesting. Now, even if uh, we have focused largely on ride sharing, these vehicles certainly aren't designed for much right. of that and anyway. Yeah. Right. And if they're small, then you don't need ride sharing. You know, if you can, if in fact uh, the vehicle that you use uh, uh, uses a half or a third of the energy and half or a third of the road space, uh, then and and um, and in fact the the energy that's required to propel it is half or a third of a of a normal vehicle. Uh, then hey, um, uh, these might just these not only solve the mobility uh, problem, they also uh, solve the energy and the and the pollution problem. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it's a it's an interesting thought. Uh, but but we can, it's a thought that we can begin to have once we have the technology uh, to do the uh, the driverless uh, uh, automated uh, driving or autonomous driving, as it's called. Uh, that's the key technology, and that technology doesn't need to be big. In the end, you know, it's going to run on a on a board that's going to be the you know a little bit bigger than your than your cell phone, and probably have sensors that are you know a cell phone size. So uh, it's going to be easy. Our friend Ken Pyle let us know that uh, officials from uh, Daimler-Bosch and the city of San Jose will be presenting their early plans for autonomous vehicle testing and their process for gathering community input around that testing and will be answering questions uh, from the floor and outside uh, next to the vehicle that's going to take place uh, this week in San Jose. And this is the kind of thing you've been talking about, uh, really community involvement before things get started. Yes. I think it's really important that, that the people on whose streets these vehicles are going to be traveling have the opportunity to learn and understand and, and, uh, and uh, appreciate uh, these vehicles 
not only for their technology, but for the service and mobility that they can provide. Uh, and I hope that uh, the Daimler and, and Bosch and so on uh, do this uh, focusing on uh, what would be valuable to this, the, the, the folks in the audience, which is allowing them to get around better uh, in their community. Uh, if they present this as the, being, uh, oh, these, uh, these uh, sleek uh, uh, vehicles who are going to speed down their roadways uh, to carry the uh, Silicon Valley uh, uh, dirt bags around, uh, then, uh, my goodness, um, uh, that would be, I think, the wrong thing to do. Uh, what they need to do is 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 let them and and focus uh, in some sense not as much on the on the technology but on the service that is being that would be provided and how it could it could really respond and deliver uh, to these these people what would be valuable to them. And what everybody needs is be a, being able to get from A to B, you know, as, as, as well as is well known, quality of life is proportional to mobility. Uh, you give people more mobility, it improves their quality of life and then people appreciate that. And that should be the focus. But it will be interesting uh, to see how they, they make their presentation and how they pitch it. Uh, and I wish them all the success in the world. Uh, and but it's important that it be focused on on the community, uh, the people that live there, the people that that rent the apartments and rent the homes or own the homes uh, along uh, that 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 uh, abut the streets on which uh, these vehicles are going to need to travel if, in fact, they're going to provide mobility to anybody. These vehicles aren't just traveling on, on freeways that have nobody living along them. Uh, uh, they're, they're going to need to travel to and from communities because that's where people come from and go to. And it's important that those the, the folks that live in those communities along those roads uh, find these find these vehicles as being as being friendly to them and part of, and and embraced by them as opposed to being some foreign intrusion by some outsider uh, that uh, that uh, if it's if it's if they're seen to be that um, uh, forget about it. Uh, they're not, not going to be accepted and they're not going to be permitted on their streets. Yeah, and we, we hope to get some follow-up on this uh, from Ken on as to how this yes, went. And, yep. and I hope, uh, and I'm going to learn from whatever went on at, at that to try to have our, the community meetings that we're trying to have here in, in central New Jersey uh, with the, with the residents, with the neighborhood association, uh, with the, uh, the, the, uh, people that actually uh, live along the roads that would be used by these vehicles uh, and to uh, understand how we can help them uh, uh, see these as, uh, as, uh, as positive contributions to their community as opposed to invading armies. Absolutely. Uh, UPS Ventures is putting money into 
Too Simple, T-U Simple, a self-driving trucking startup. I guess not a big surprise. They kind of have to, they have to be looking at this. They almost have to do it because uh, they're looking over their shoulder and they're seeing Amazon's doing it. Uh, they don't know quite know what Amazon's doing. They know that Amazon's filing a, a bunch of patents. Uh, they know that uh, that they're out there trying various things. And if they still want to be providing uh, the for the movement of um, of commodities um, uh, around the country, um, and uh, one of the the uh, chief providers of that, uh, they've got to do it. And they've noticed that even the post office uh, is is looking at and has started to do some of this. So if, if USPS is doing it, uh, UPS, UPS has to do it. And of course, um, um, so does FedEx. Uh, so in a sense, um, the, the movement of commodities uh, uh, using um, more uh, computer assistance in the driving uh, if not all the way to t- to being driverless, uh, they have to play in that in that in that arena, and they have to be there. Another quick headline: uh, Uber is uh, supporting congestion pricing in Seattle as a solution to urban traffic. But in the newsletter, you've got a, an interesting take on this. Yes, I mean it's a good analysis uh, that that was uh, that was sponsored by uh, by Uber on on uh, on congestion pricing, and uh, um, I prefer to call it value pricing. But you know, I mean, to me, what a terrible name! What is it? I don't like anybody's names for things. I have to always invent my own. I don't know what it is with me, but you know, you just think congestion pricing just sounds bad. It sounds like somebody's intruding on somebody, and and it's totalitarian in its nature. Uh, uh, whereas if it was called value pricing, in which uh, you know value is supposed to me has a positive connotation, uh, might be better. But besides just the naming aspect. Um, there is a fundamental problem, social problem with, with, uh, value pricing. Uh, here we have, you know, a, a, um, a commodity, which is, uh, a, a commodity that is travel time, the ability to go from A to B, uh, in a certain amount of time. And, and that is a commodity. And all of a sudden, what we're going to do with that commodity is we're going to price it so that those that have a lot of money really get to buy it for, to them is absolutely uh, uh, um, chump change uh, to get enormous value to then improve their travel time and improve their quality of life because you're improving your travel time an enormous amount for what in return is chump change. And to do that, you have to have somebody get out of that traffic stream and, and, and give up their, their, in some sense, uh, uh, common right to equal access and give that up so that the rich can pay chump change to acquire it so that they can go faster. But who gives it up? Uh, well, one assumes those that have uh, a very 
uh, low uh, value of time uh, that move and and decide to move to some other point and have and or have very little money and can't afford uh, to pay uh, to move somebody out there. And therefore, they're the ones that are getting moved out of the traffic lane so that uh, those that, uh, that can readily afford to pay for it uh, can, move, can use up the space and get value out of the space that they, that they uh, uh, abdicate uh, and, um, and do that. The problem is, is that the person who steps aside to let uh, to uh, afford this this congestion relief uh, to the rich doesn't get any of the money that 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 gets put in there, and uh, that and that money could they might willingly do that because that's very the money is very valuable to them because that helps them feed their family. Yet they're not the benefactors of that. Uh, they just step aside because they can't afford to compete for that, for that time slot because that is that is cherished um, uh, asset to them. Uh, they need that money to feed their families, and so there seems to be a fundamental um, a societal. Uh, um, inequality that's being uh, played to the hilt uh, in this congestion pricing uh, paradigm, which um, hasn't really been addressed. So here we would have it in uh, Seattle, uh, the rich, meaning you know the the executives of of uh, of Microsoft and. Uh, and uh, Amazon and et cetera, uh, get to pay chump change um, uh, to uh, use a facility that is priced at a point uh, that uh, the poor can't afford uh, because that would be taking food off their table if, to afford it. Therefore, they abdicate and move aside and uh, and uh, let uh, let the and, and create the congestion relief uh, that then benefits the rich. Yet the money that the rich pay for this uh, for this um, stepping aside by the poor doesn't get transferred back to the poor. Now, of course, I've made it um, uh, very black and white. There is, of course, a whole range of, of folks that, that are in this distribution. But fundamentally, those are the forces that are at play here. And, and so, uh, so again, uh, the rich get richer at, at an expense to them that is, uh, who cares? It's just money. They have so much of it, uh, it doesn't bother them. Uh, and the people who then have to move aside and travel at times other than when they would have preferred to travel, uh, step aside, create that vacuum, and uh, but yet get none of the benefits, uh, none of the no, no uh, kickback or feedback uh, from the monies that are that are that are spent there uh, by the rich and to improve the quality of life of of uh, of uh, the poor that have steps aside. So um, yes, um, that is a stark um, uh, presentation of, of this, but. Um, um, 
uh, that's the nature of the situation. And I don't think that uh, that Seattle nor this uh, nor this um, article um, uh, by Uber or sponsored by Uber really addresses that fundamental societal um, disconnect. Yeah, and uh, you have to think about well, okay, then what uh, alternative sololutions uh, there might be, but uh, really well, interesting points that you bring up is, that, is to have the money that's paid uh, be uh, subsidized and, and go back and and uh, and um, uh, and put it in the into the pockets of the people that moved aside that that, that used to use that. In fact, you know it's it's basically saying that hey, we're going to have ration coupons associated with these things. And, um, and I have a coupon, I get to sell it. Okay. And therefore there should be a marketplace that's associated with this thing such that, uh, such that, uh, I, I, as a poor person, uh, have, have equal access to this roadway. And if somebody wants me to step aside, pay me, that would be a, uh, a more rational way to look at this thing, not how to implement that and so on and so forth is of course, non-trivial, uh, but uh, the way this is, hey, you just make the price on the road, uh, whatever dollars you want during peak hour, okay, make it, make the toll be uh, 30 bucks, okay? Well, hey, if I'm try if I'm poor and I have a fifteen or dollar an hour job, I'm not going to pay thirty bucks to to go uh, travel at that time. Therefore, I'm going to step aside. And if I'm a um, uh, 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 rich uh, um, executive from uh, from uh, Microsoft or Amazon or whatever, geez, uh, with thirty bucks, who cares? You know, I mean, my bonus is whatever. You know, look at the look at the what Uber claimed in terms of its uh, bonuses that they paid off to their employees uh, uh, over the last quarter. That they. $3.9 billion worth. Okay. The money's there. Uh, who cares? Uh, throw it in there. Uh, and, uh, and I'll go and, 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 and I'll go quickly and my quality of life will be vastly improved. What happens to the $30 that it, that they paid? Did it go to the person that, that, that gave up their spot so that they could go and go faster? No, I don't know. It gets eaten up by somebody. Probably it gets fed back to the rich to uh, even improve the roadway so that it's even better roadway for them to travel at, at the time that they want to travel. I don't know. I'm being cynical here, but but it's it's uh, you know it's a great concept. But it, but unless you have a, the ability to do, to transfer the the funds uh, or to say that in fact uh, you know uh, public road space is a public good therefore everybody has a fair share at it and if they want to abdicate or sell their share there should be a marketplace to do that and they should they should be able to be rewarded to do that and some and and let's let's uh, create the marketplace really interesting issue it's non-trivial though fred absolutely <laughs> From the half-baked stuff uh, that probably doesn't deserve your time section of the newsletter, well-named, is a Business Insider report. Six car makers that are betting electric scooters and bikes, not cars, are the future of city transportation. And this talks about efforts by Ford, BMW, Audi, and some others. 
Well, I say, if they if they really believe that, then they should sell now, while there's still uh, some value in the company, because uh, because the the marketplace value of all that uh, those bikes and so on is uh, you know uh, one one hundredth of the market value of of uh, of uh, full size sedans and and Ford F one fifties. Are you joking? I mean, yes, as as some little side business, as a little you know add on or whatever. They they also you know uh, um, uh, sell sell. Uh, Tank tops and and jackets and with their with their uh, logos on them, yeah, sure. But uh, that's a that's a sideline uh, business. Uh, that's not a fundamental business for them. So uh, you know, and and BMW has been making bikes forever. They, they make motorcycles, but you, you think BMW is going to be a motorcycle company? No, they're a car company. They're they're uh, they're the ultimate driving machine, and uh, and they're they're gonna that's what they're going to be. That's why they, that's why I don't believe they're really serious about becoming the ultimate riding machine. Would take a lot of bikes and scooters to make up for a fifty thousand dollar car. <laughs> <It'd> take <laughs> up a, oh my goodness! Can you imagine the number of bikes and scooters that it would take? I mean, geez, they'd be strewn all over the darn place. That's you know whatever. And that is it for now. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more. Ask your smart speaker to play us, too. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for taking the time. Lots to chew on. Yes, always lots of fun, and and hopefully uh, our listeners um, uh, are enjoying it. Uh, Yes, uh, it's very, very serious business, but there are some things that are, uh, you really have to say, uh, what? (laughs) 